And there's some of you that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I really felt the Lord speaking to me earlier this year as we started talking about spiritual things, pulling back the curtain and looking at the spirit realm that's behind. And the Lord was saying to me that people in this church will never be able to fully experience that unless you lead them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about, so some of you, I need to just, we need to wake up again and remind you and stir it up in you again. And some of us that have never experienced it before, you need to be inspired, encouraged, have your appetite whetted, and then help you develop the faith to receive something that is just a gift. And so as I've been praying over this this morning, I spent time uh, in here this week a little while, and I spent time this morning even during worship. Because as a teacher, I can, I'm in control. I can break it down. But there's something the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And I can't make that happen. And you can't make it happen. We can help Him by helping one another to be open and to trust and to receive. But it starts with a desire. So again, those of you that were baptized in the Holy Spirit years ago, I want to challenge you to not be satisfied with where you are. Because there's things God wants to do in your life. He wants to make Himself more real to you. And the things He wants to do through you, they can only happen as we have a fresh new infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the goal for today. We're going to take a little time to teach and just lay a foundation for some things. And then we're going to and we're going to have an altar call. I'm going to give you uh, uh, we have a little time of prayer so that we can just let God speak to our hearts. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose. And I don't know if Pastor Ray's still here so he can hear me, but I want to change the order. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a chance to come up, those of you that want it. And, and I, we're going to have a, a, just a short time of worship together to get our eyes off of ourselves and to get our eyes on the Lord. And then we're going to trust Him to do what He wants to do in our lives. So when we, that's, that's the goal for today. So when we left off last week, well, let's pray. That would be a good thing to do. Father, we're not here this morning to do church. We're not here this morning to be able to check off a box, of respo- a, 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 a box in front of responsibilities and say, well, I went to church this Sunday, so I did that. We're not here to hear a good message today. We're not here to be entertained. We're here for something that is to you very holy and very precious to you. Exodus 19 tells us that Moses... brought the people out to meet their God. And Father, we know you in many ways. We know about you. We know Jesus. We know about him. We have some kind of relationship with him. But there's a fullness of his reality in our lives and in us and flowing through us that you long to have us experience because then you get to experience more of us. So what we're here to do today is holy to you. And we declare to you our utter inadequacy to make something happen, to engineer anything, even really to plan anything. So we're here as open vessels to allow you, by your Spirit, to touch our hearts, to open our hearts, to give us hope and faith, and then to fill our hearts with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And for that, we trust you and thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Where we left off last week is just a very quickly review. We've been talking about, for several months now, looking at pulling back the curtain. The curtain represents a veil, a separation to to hide our natural senses from whatever's going on behind that curtain. So like in a play, when you sit down before the play, you'll see there's a curtain there. You don't know what's going on behind the curtain. 
But when the curtains pulled back or raised, then you can see what was prepared for you. And the curtain in the Bible, or veil is the term the Bible uses, represents our flesh and the limitations of our flesh. And the assumption we have as we go through life is that's everything there is. Whatever we can experience with our senses, whatever our mind can naturally reason and understand, that that's the limit of everything that there is, that the Bible teaches is just the opposite. On the other side of that veil of our flesh and of our human natural understanding, there's a spirit realm that's more real than our body or anything that's physical. And that what goes on in that realm affects our lives in this world far more than we realize. So we began to look at pulling back that curtain and looking at what's behind that curtain, and then we moved from there to learning about how to live behind that curtain, because one-third of you is a spirit being. In fact, the most important part of you is a spirit being. And so your home is behind that curtain. Heaven is a spirit realm. It's behind that curtain. But we're to learn to live in this realm with our senses and our awareness and our trust in the inner man that's on the inside of you, the kingdom of God that's on the inside of you, because part of what's behind that curtain is in you if you're a Christian. The term that the Bible uses is walking in the Spirit. But that's not an intellectual exercise, it's an experience. And this is what today is all about. This is what God wants to lead us to. This is what Jesus was leading His disciples to. So we spend several weeks looking at Jesus preparing his disciples for him to leave them. And it's in the story of it's in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. In John, 14, John 13, Jesus tells them that they're to serve one another the way he's going to serve them. He washes their feet. John 14, he tells them to not be, to not be worried or upset. He's going to leave them, but he's going to come back for them. And he's never going to leave them as orphans, but he's going to come back because there's a dwelling place he has for them. But that dwelling place is not a physical mansion in heaven. It's him dwelling in them. So he's preparing them. And then he leads John 4, 15, he talks about, I'm the vine and you're the branch. He talks about the unity, the union that will take place, the spiritual union. He says, just as the Father has been one with me and I've been one with the Father, so you and I are now going to be one in that same way. But that union is not a physical union. It's the spirit union of the same spirit that was living in him is now going to be not just with them, but he's going to live in them. And then John 16, he begins to introduce them more to the Holy Spirit, who is the promise. And he said, the miracles that God did through me, he's now going to go through you. Because the Spirit of God, when I leave here, he's going to send the Spirit of God who has been with you because he's been in me. And now he's going to be in you. And so he says, it's to your advantage that I leave here. Because when I leave and do what I'm called to do, which is to lay my life down for you, then the Father can send his Spirit no longer to be with you, but to now live in you. So he's preparing them for this. And when we left off last week, what we saw was in Acts chapter 1, Jesus now has appeared to them. We saw in Luke 24 also. He's appeared to them and he says, he's given them the great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But now before they do that, he tells them there's one thing you need. You need to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The same power you saw in me You've been born again, you've been saved, but you need that power from on high. And today we're going to look at what happened when they waited. We ended last week by saying, in the same sense he told them to wait, Terry, we don't need to do that because the Holy Spirit has come. He is here. But there's, a way, there's, a, there's, a, there's an attitude they had in waiting that we need to have. They didn't know what to expect. They just know they were obeying Jesus to go and stay together. He told them to stay together and to wait until you've received this power from one high. And when we left, we saw that at the end of Acts chapter 1, they all came together. They watched him ascend into heaven, and then they all gathered together in that upper room, and they waited. They prayed together, and they waited together, and they didn't know how long they were going to wait. They didn't even know for sure what they were waiting for, but they had an expectancy in them. And they had a trust that if Jesus said that they would not be disappointed, that they would receive whatever it is that he has. Because that expectancy is important, 
in the confidence that because He's promised it to us, we can receive it. That's a second element that's so vital. And so that way they were just open to whatever was going to happen. And so we'll begin now in Acts chapter 2, if you can put that up. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice day and Pentecost have an initial cap. Why? Because this was a day, this was one of the feasts in the Jewish calendar. It's called the Feast of Weeks. Feast of Weeks, W-E-E-K-S. And it represented the, the final ingathering, bringing together of the end of the harvest. So it was a time of celebration. And the Spirit of God chooses this time to come and dwell in them and fill them with His presence. Now understand this. At this point, they're already saved. In John chapter 20, verse 21, don't put it up there. Jesus, before He's been ascended into heaven, so this is a different event, He breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. You cannot, we talked about this last week, you cannot be born again unless the Holy Spirit is living in you. So the fact that your Bible means something to you, that it talks to you, the fact that something resonates in your heart when you read that is a sign the Spirit of God is living in you and you are born again. He bears witness with your spirit, Paul says in Romans 8, that you are a child of God. But there's a large part of the body of Christ that mistakes that for what Jesus is talking about here. Because although that brings life to you, it's the fountain that Jesus talked to the woman at the well about in John chapter 4. Jesus draws a distinction then in John chapter 7 when he says, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me, then my Father will give him rivers of living water. Not a fountain that satisfies your thirst, but rivers that flow out of you with power. And he goes on to say that refers to the Holy Spirit which had not yet been given. So there's a large part of the body of Christ that that mistakenly thinks that what Jesus is talking about here is this, because they say, well, I receive the Spirit. Well, you can't be born again unless you receive the Spirit. But have you allowed Him to fill you to overflowing? Because when He does that, you know it. We were saved 43 years ago, back toward the end of the charismatic renewal. And we ended up going, we weren't Catholic, we ended up going to a Catholic charismatic prayer meeting because it was the only thing going on at all and saw some amazing things. And and in that, we went through a a course that some of you that were Catholics may have gone through that called Life in the Spirit. And at the end of that, we were filled with the Spirit. But I struggle with, is this really something that's necessary? What is the difference in this? And God led us to go at that time to a church, a large church, a really huge church outside of Boston right now. And at that time, half of the church was spirit-filled and half of them did not believe in it. And as I talked to people, I could see the contrast. And I could see a difference. Because I saw in people that were born again, had the spirit in them, that their relationship with God and even the things that the preachers talked about were more mental and intellectual. They came out of the mind and they were concepts and ideas and principles. But when I talked to people in that church, they were filled with the Spirit. It was as if they were talking about somebody when they talked about Christ who was alive inside of them and with them. And there was a passion and a boldness coming out of them. And it helped me understand the difference when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Here again, they were all with one accord in one place. We're going to go down through this and I'll point some things out. And suddenly, there came from heaven, just as Jesus said, as as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they're gathered together, about 120 of them, 
just waiting on God, but they were in one accord, so they were seeking the same thing. They didn't know what it was, but whatever Jesus had promised them, He said they needed it, and so here they are waiting. And on the appointed time, now it's significant, it's the day of Pentecost, because as that is a festival that represented the final celebration of the final ingathering of the harvests, so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit signals the the, the, the signals the, the, uh, an age for the final ingathering of the, of the harvest, and that's souls. So the power that's needed to gather the, la- the souls into the kingdom of God is the power of the Holy Spirit doing what you and I cannot do in our sense. And we'll see as we go through this what happens here. And there appeared to them I'll go back to verse 2. Notice it says, and the whole place was filled. The whole place was filled. Some translations say the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. Go ahead, verse 3 now. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat on each one of them. Stay there a second. What does this mean? I've seen pictures where it looks like there's a little big flame. On the t- that's not the power of God. For, did you, Pastor Ray, did you hear me change the order at the end? Okay, I'm going to do the worship after we, when we call people up. Okay. Um, there appear to them divided tongues as a fire. What is this? Well, remember, we're not going to go back and look at the story of Moses at the burning bush. He's walking around the bush, he's t- he, around the mountain, he's taking care of the sheep, somebody else's sheep. And this bush, he turns a corner and here's this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Well, I don't believe it was a fire that he could have gone over and roasted marshmallows on or warmed his hands. I believe it is the glory of God manifesting. I've known of stories of like Lester Sumrall, some of you know who he was and some of you may not, but he had a church in the Philippines. And, and there was a outpouring of the Holy Spirit there was so powerful that in the middle of the meeting they hear the fire trucks. And that'll give you an alarm. And they go out and they say, what's going on? He said, your building's on fire. I said, what do you mean? And the top of the building had flames coming out of it, but the building wasn't on fire. It was the glory of God radiating out of that place. And I believe with all my heart that's what this is. It's the glory of God radiating off of them. And, 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 and Luke, who's writing this, as he gets this account, the only thing they knew to describe it as is, well, they were like tongues of fire. You know how a fire looks like it has tongues to it. As a fire, wait, go back, important, go back to verse 3. And it sat upon some of them. Sat upon those special ones God had chosen. It sat upon the pastor. It sat upon each one of them. Every one of them received this gift. Verse 4. And they were all. I want you to say that with me. All. So if you were there, you would have been filled. Because the place was filled, you just had to be in the place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sharing that with you to help give you confidence that God doesn't pick and choose special ones. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. During worship, I really felt the Lord tell me to take another service and really focus on what that is, but we'll mention it today. The sign that they were filled with the Holy Spirit is that they began to speak with other tongues. When we talk about this in several weeks, what happened is they had to yield their tongue to the Holy Spirit. Notice this, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is a supernatural event, which is a sign that something supernatural had happened to them. It wasn't a goosebump that they got. And everything that's happening here 
is something that they could detect with their five senses. They could hear the mighty rushing wind. They could see the, the, the glory of God on the heads of each one of them. And they could hear each of them speak. So God's Spirit is now manifesting Himself, pulling back the curtain and showing in their presence His power, showing in His presence His reality, that He is real, that He's really come the way the Father promised through Jesus He would come and He's here. So this is not something they had to now walk in faith about. God's Spirit came into the physical realm and manifested Himself. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. That's another subject. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse 6. And when this sound occurred, there it is, a sound. Now notice what Jesus didn't tell them to do. He said, I want you to gather together in that upper room and pray until you get so enthused, you come up with good programs for witnessing to the people around you. And I'll give you this four-step program you can take, and you can have it with you, and you can go follow these four steps, and people will say, yes, you can pray with them, and they'll be saved. He didn't give them a program. Remember what he said in Acts chapter 1? He said, and yet you will be witnesses of me. You won't tell people about me. You'll be the witness. You'll be the advertisement. You won't need to talk so much. You're going to be my witnesses because you're going to be filled up with me to overflowing. And the sound occurred and the multitude came together and they were confused. Why? Because it's a spiritual thing. Paul says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he said, spiritual things have to be spiritually discerned. So they don't understand what's going on. This is why the world doesn't often understand what we're doing when we're being led by the Spirit. And they were confused. Why? Listen to this, because we just read that they were all speaking in other tongues. Other means other than their own. Other means, literally in the Greek, language that you don't understand yourself but you're speaking it. And here we see the supernatural aspect of it. And, and, and they came together and were confused. What confused them? Because everyone heard these men speak in their own language. Keep going. They were all amazed and marveled and said, look at all these, are not all these who speak Galileans? That was not a compliment. Basically, these are probably intellectual people that have come to Jerusalem and they're marveling because they're seeing these hicks from the country speak in their own language. It's not because they were smart and graduated from graduate school in languages. These are a bunch of uneducated fishermen hicks. No, no insult to... Uh, he said it. <laughs> Verse 8. How is this that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? This is totally supernatural. This was God speaking through these Galilean fishermen and others. They were carpenters, others speaking to these, these sophisticated people in their own language, and it's obvious it's supernatural. They're Parthians and Medes and Elamites dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Keep going. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome with both Jews and proselytes. Keep going. Cretans and Arabs, when we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Keep going. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? So they're trying to figure it out. Notice when this little group that had been huddling together in this upper room that only a few weeks before were in that same room scared that they might be arrested as their leader had been arrested. Have now, and notice they didn't keep it in the upper room. They didn't keep it in church. Notice that, that Peter didn't have to stay up and say, 
We're called to go into all the world. Now what are you doing sitting here? Get out there and do your job. Nobody had to tell them that. They couldn't keep it to themselves. So are you so filled up with who Christ is in your life? Are you so filled up with the Holy Spirit that you can't keep your mouth shut wherever you go? Are you so full with the joy of the Lord that people stop you and say, what is it you have that I don't have? Then whatever's in you, you're not filled up with because it's not overflowing. Remember I gave you the example last week of the sponge that my stepfather brought home when I was a boy and he was, it was a, one of these handouts from the bank and it was, the pre- air was pressed out of it and I used the example. It was, the whole sponge was there. See, the Spirit of God is in you. You're not going to get more of Him. There is no more to get. But you're going to allow Him to fill you with Himself. So this sponge had all the air pressed out of it. Well, I won't say that. Because I'll have to repent. And we would put it in the water... And as you put it down in the water, we talked about this being baptized in the Spirit, and you get filled up with, we would, the water would expand it, and now it would come and take its shape. But that didn't satisfy us as boys. Because now it's filled enough so that you could wash off the pots and pans with it. But we weren't satisfied with that. So what we did is we put the back down in the water, and we would squeeze everything out of it. That's called repentance. Allowing the Spirit of God to squeeze out of you whatever's not of Him. And then we slowly released it. And when we did that, there was more room because we got the air out. There was more room for it to contain water. And now when we pulled it out, it was super saturated. It was so full it could not hold the water. So when we brought it out, it was dripping and I told you what we did with it. We would start flinging it at each other and the water, it was so full of water, it would fly off on whoever was around it. That's what's happening here. What could this mean? See, when unbelievers start asking you questions, now they're open. Others were mocking, saying they're full of new wine. And Peter's standing up before the eleven. I want to show you several things in here. We don't have time to go through all of it. Peter's standing up before the eleven, raised his voice. Now, go back to verse 13. They think they're drunk. They're full of new wine. What they're saying is, these guys are stoned. So there must have been some way they're acting that was similar to somebody that's filled with the wrong kind of spirits. What happens when people, I know none of you have ever experienced this, but maybe you've seen somebody. When you get intoxicated on alcohol, or whatever, you lose your inhibitions. You become bold. Most people become happy. All right? And you just, in their case, they were probably stumbling around. Verse 14, Peter has to correct this. We've got to move on. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now remember this guy who only a few weeks ago, when Jesus was arrested and he followed them into this courtyard, three times he denied that he even knew this man And it was not to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. One of it was to a servant girl. Another was just some girl standing there by the fire. And then there was a man standing by the fire. Peter is so... But Peter had been so bold in himself that when suddenly the crisis hit, he finds out that his boldness was nothing but hot air. It's the St. Peter who's now standing up in front of Jerusalem proclaiming who this Christ was, is, and what they did to him. Standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Here is boldness, verse 15. 
They're not drunk, as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day, verse 16. But this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what he's about to explain to them, he's about to quote to them from Joel chapter 2, which talks about God will come a day when God will pour His Spirit out on all flesh and what the result is going to be. We don't have the time to go through all of that. Let's go to verse um, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Verse 23. Him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by your lawless hands and you have crucified and put him to death. There's a boldness there that wasn't there a few weeks ago. There's a boldness there that wasn't there a day ago. So part of the result of him being filled with the Spirit is a boldness. And where does the boldness come from? The boldness comes from God's presence in him speaking through him. The prophets of old had a boldness so they could stand up in front of a king and tell him what God had to say. But the boldness came because they knew it was God speaking through them. Because when the boldness was over, Elijah ran. So the boldness wasn't his personal character. It was God's presence and then it left. Peter has a boldness that he did not have before. Verse 36. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. Verse 37. And the next thing, so it gave him boldness. And look at the effectiveness of his words. The power in his words caused the hearers to do something. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It penetrated their heart. Your ideas, your words, my ideas, my words will only go to somebody's mind. But the power of the Holy Spirit can cut through into the hardest of hearts. And some of us are testimonies of that. And when they heard us, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, and here's a sign of real repentance, what must we do? Verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift, oh boy, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, the result of them was 3,000 were added to the church that day. Results. The Holy Spirit, when He has free reign, produces results. In Acts 2, verse 39, I want to show you something. Peter says that this promise is to you, the men that you're talking to, to your children and to all those who are as far off as many as the Lord our God will call. He's talking about you and me. So this promise was not just for this day of Pentecost. This is a promise of God that Jesus told us is for you, for every one of us. It's a promise of God. Over in Luke, quickly go to Luke 11, verse 9. I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives... And to he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Verse 11. 
If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? He asks for a fish, will he give him a, a serpent? Will, will he, if we give him a serpent instead of a fish. In other words, if you ask for God something, he's not going to play games with you and give you something else. Yet there's teaching out there that God does that. If he asks for an egg, are you, is he going to give you a scorpion? Verse 13. If you then, being evil compared to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I'll end with this verse. Ephesians 5, 17 talks about those of you that already have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Next verse. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation or waste, but be filled with the, whole, with the Spirit. In the Greek, it literally says, be continually being filled. So for those of you that have been filled before, you leak. Just being in this world will drain it out of you. So you need to be refilled, filled again on a regular basis. We're going to change the order of the service now. Before we do, I always have to give, want to give an opportunity to anybody watching online or anyone watching here to receive this Christ that we're talking about this morning. Jesus was talking about and Acts is talking about people that have received Christ as their Savior. They've opened their heart to Him. They've declared that if I have to stand before God by my own righteousness, I may be infinitely better than any of the rest of you, but God compares me by His own righteousness. And we all fall woefully short of that. But God loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to live on this earth for 33 and a half years, to live a sinless life, and then at the appointed time because God loves you, God took His sinless Son and had Him nailed to a cross. And on that cross, God poured out His judgment and His anger and wrath for your sins on His sinless Son. So that if you would ask Him, God would take His righteousness and attribute it to you. And with that righteousness, you can come into the presence of God. You can enter into heaven. And all it takes is a decision of your will, but you've got to mean it. So if you're here this morning and you've, you've never received Christ, you've never asked Him into your life, you may have been in church your whole life, you may have been taught that Jesus was the Son of God, I was, you may have been taught that He died to pay for the sins of the world, that's wonderful. But if you personally asked Him into your life, and if you personally turned your life over to Him and put your trust in Him for your eternal salvation, if you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. It's okay, dear. That's okay, dear. That's okay, dear. That's okay, dear. That's okay. That's okay. This is the Holy Spirit working. That's okay, dear. You just stay here, honey. Just stay with her. Here's what I want you to do. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. That's okay. Okay. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, you know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in your blood. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now and I put it into your hands to be Lord. Thank you for loving me this much. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do right now, if you prayed that with me, there's a number on your online, there's a number at the bottom of your screen. If you call that number tomorrow morning, someone will answer that phone and they want to send you some free material so you have a better understanding of what you've done today. And the second thing you need to do is tune in next week or even better than that, come here and be with us. And if you do that, please come up and introduce yourself to me. 
If you're here this morning and you did that for the first time, or you recommitted your life to the Lord, when the service is over in a few minutes, when you leave, if you go around to the Common Ground Cafe, someone will be there and give you the same material. What we're going to do right now is we're going to take just a moment for you to be quiet. And you just be sit there still before the Lord. And just listen inside. And the question to ask yourself is, Lord, is there anything in my life that I'm holding on to that you want? And if you can identify it, then just tell him you're sorry, repent of it, and ask him to strengthen you to do whatever it is you need to do. Father, guide us right now in this time, these just a few moments, for the Holy Spirit to do in us what only He, only He can do. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. don't need to go looking for things it won't take long for him to show you we thank you for what you've shown us and we repent of that now things we've held on to unforgiveness things that were old that we've blamed others for attitudes we may have had we want to surrender ourselves wholly to you this morning. But we acknowledge we can't do that in our strength. And so we're inviting the Holy Spirit to help us and to strengthen us. And now, Father, for those that desire what you promised them, we pray and ask you to help them in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you would like to receive this gift, I'm going to ask you to stand up and come down here. We're going to pray over you down here. It requires humility to come and ask because by coming you're saying to God, I, I don't have what I need. I need this. I need what you promised. While they're coming, we're going to worship. We're going to do that now. Let's sing this. Let our focus on the Lord and off of ourselves.
very important moment, so I'm going to ask everybody to just, this is a holy moment between God and each one of them. So I'm going to ask the congregation just to stay steady. I know the time is, is getting to that tower where you normally dismiss you. But one of the things they had to do is wait. If we're just about church this time and leave at this time, we're never going to get the fullness of what God has for us. Your roast will keep. <laughs> your reservation will keep. This is important. Now I'm going to ask those of you that have come up to just look at me a second. You're up here as a step of faith. You've heard that God has offered to you once more than you want this gift. He knows how much you need it. And He's not holding anything back. There's nothing... I'm going to go down and lay hands on you. And there's nothing magical in my touch. It's a, it's a contact of faith. That when I touch you, we're saying that you've now received this gift. You may well feel something bubbling up inside of you. Alright? Let it go. It may sound like baby talk. It's your mind that gets in the way. And what we're going to do is when I'm finished doing this, if you still want more, if you're still more than you want, if you're not confident yet, I'm going to, when we dismiss, I'm going to ask you to go over to the prayer room over there. There'll be some people that are trained to pray with you some more. But listen to me this. When I was, went through this, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. But I did it by faith. And therefore, when I left, I wasn't discouraged. I, I didn't speak in tongues at that time. All right? God had some issues He had to do with me in my mind. But He was faithful to do that. So don't feel pressure, because pressure is not from God. This is a free gift that God wants you to have and to experience. All right? Okay, I'm going to start going down. I'm going to go fairly quickly, because it's not a matter of I've got to minister personally to you. You're receiving that when my hand touches your head. It's a point of contact of faith. Yes, I've now received this, Father by faith. So let's worship. Go ahead and continue to worship. In the name of Jesus. Here we go. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. All our words shall praise thy name in Oh, oh, oh.
Just begin to speak. It's as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance. You asked, and God gave you what you asked. Now you have to believe you've already received. And that we do by faith. So what I'm going to do now is we're going to prepare to dismiss. Those of you that want, you're having trouble, you want more freedom, I'm going to, when we dismiss, the people over in the prayer room, Pastor Michael's over there to help. I'm going to dismiss you in just a minute. We're going to sing that song one more time for dismissal. And then those of you that want more prayer over this, then you can go in there and they'll spend a little more time with you one-on-one. Praise the Lord. Thank you, congregation, for being so faithful, being part of this. This is such an important, important thing.